we raise people to be dependent, but life requires you to be independent. Hey guys, you are welcome back to Life Seek Podcast. My name is Jethro. Today, I am thrilled to introduce an extraordinary guest, Tony Omesiri. Coach Tony is a powerhouse in the business world, renowned for activating growth and expansion across various business life cycles. Former strategist at Walmart, she now leverages her expertise as a world-class business educator, sales coach, and international sales development consultant. With a rich background, she's the author of Mindset of an Entrepreneur and the dynamic host of the TV show Quantum Leap. As a founder and CEO of Nazaru and the driving force behind the Trade with Africa Business Summit, Tony is a global leader committed to empowering entrepreneurs for success. Join us today as we listen to her and learn from her perspective. Thank you so much for coming on board today, Coach Tony. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Hey guys, you are welcome back to the Life Sip Podcast. And I bring you beautiful news. But before then, the sip of wisdom for today is don't let anybody tell you how to spend your money. The last episode we had, where we talked about investing for different stages, we had two people ask us questions. So I asked if it was okay for them to invest using investment app. Well, if this investment app is not going to create a CSCS account for you, I don't think it is great to open an investment account with an app because the most important thing is you want to know where your money is at so that if anything happens, you can just go there and see how you can resolve things for yourself. The next question is how do you know what you can afford? Well, I think this question is relative. How I personally find out is I draft out my priorities. I arrange these things according to what is important. What do I need? I put what I need first and then what I want. And then once I'm able to sort out all that I need, if I need to sort out what I want, maybe two or three things or just some days I try to compensate myself, but not all the time, not every month. So the most important thing is you're taking care of all that you need and you need to know the difference between what you need and what you want what you need is something you cannot do without like food toiletries brain self-development courses school and what you want is ice cream burger king hair there are days you need hair i mean of course you need to look good you need to look presentable but know when you need it know when you also want it so i hope that's able to answer your question if you have the questions by all means please reach out to shade the assistant or his community at underscore the finance academy they will answer all your questions or your concerns and they will even teach you when where to start investing from i also want to say that this particular episode we published it before but at the time i just started podcasting i didn't know whether to edit my audios or not so this particular episode got a lot of listens and something i thought to revamp because Tonyo Messiri is a box. She has so much wisdom to share. And it would be very unkind of me for you not to know about this episode. That's why I'm bringing it back, revamping it, all thanks to veracity. I hope that this particular episode helps you to understand yourself better and gain clarity on the type of future that you want for yourself. Thank you so much, Coach T, for wanting to do this with me. Before we get to the topic of the day, which is creating the life that you want, 
tell us how you got here, how you invested so much. You've been so consistent. How do you do these things? How do you do that? Where is, where is, the, where is the energy coming from? I need to learn. Oh, you're very funny. Oh my gosh. So th- thank you so much. Hello to your listeners. I'm, I'm just super excited. It's always a pleasure just to feel hang out. It's almost like a coffee, just having coffee with a dear sister here. That's how this feels. And I always love those type of easy, easy conversations. So yeah, I'm, I'm a Nigerian-American. I got my first degree in Nigeria. I have a bachelor's in mathematics from University of Agriculture, now Federal University of Agriculture at Belkuta, UNAB. And um, I came into the U.S. in 2004 for my master's program. And then from there, I started working in corporate America. It wasn't until maybe eight years ago, my dad passed and then I went back to the continent. And that's really what changed how I live life, really. So for me, it's living for impact. It's living for purpose. It's using all I have to impact the world, really, at the end of the day, to know that we can not just live life for ourselves as an individual but we can touch life that's why i show up amazing so it's been eight years since you decided to start giving out all that you know for me it looks like you have it all and it looks like you've been able to create the future that you want has that Mm. been for you i think if we all listen to our hearts i don't mean what the world is saying like what the world is saying right now the world tells you get rich or die trying the world paints a picture that many people are living and shaping their lives around but Mm. honestly if everybody will be honest for them by themselves if you listen to your heart your heart will guide you to what would actually fulfill your life but most of us are not doing that because for me when my dad passed and I wrote a mini biography about about him, I realized that nobody was even talking about his professional accomplishments when he died. They were talking about the effect he had on their life. The difference he made in their life was what was relevant. It wasn't all he acquired for himself. Not just professional. So he wasn't really measured. Professional growth, definitely. But how he actually even used his professional accomplishment to help other people level up. The promotions, how he advised people, how he helped people get new jobs, how we help people, you know, encourage them to go into professional development. But those were the things people were talking about, not what he did for himself, but how his life made a difference for them. So the journey really is not just what we acquire for ourselves, but how we're going to use all of that to make a difference. So it's good to acquire, definitely. It's good to create a livelihood for our family. But I think there's a, there's another type of future that your soul, your soul is calling you out. It talks to you that there's more, that there's more, that there is greatness. But you now need to ask, what does that greatness look like? That's the question everybody needs to try and unravel for themselves. Not through the eyes of people out there, but through the eye of your soul. What does greatness sound like for you, Rosling? I want people to think. <laughs> what greatness is to them. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I learned from you was yesterday when you were talking about becoming more and feeding yourself, you said something about how much you impute in yourself is what people will see. So if you impute so much, you get an output of so much. And then if you don't impute anything, you begin to run empty. And so many persons are beginning to run empty. 
these days. So at what point do you know that, okay, let's say my mind is calling me or my heart is calling me to a certain thing. At what point do I know that this is God's? Because if you look closely, I, I think your dad lived a life of purpose. Mm-hmm. You can be everything, but if you don't live a life of purpose, I don't know where the fulfillment will come from. So if your mm-hmm. heart is calling you to something, how do you know that you're living a life that aligns with God's purpose? Or at what point do you know that, okay, this is God's purpose? Or how do you even discover that this is God's purpose for me in creating the future that you want? Because mm-hmm. you can create a future that you want and then that's not God's purpose. That's not God's plan for you. At the end of mm-hmm. the day, you are helping people. You're making people happy. But there's just something in you. Maybe there's this thing that is not fulfilled. You're not getting the fulfillment that you should get. Like a person who is actually living a life of purpose Mm. so in in the space of you trying to create the future that you want how do you know that it aligns with god's purpose or god's plan for your own life i think the first thing is for people to understand that we have all been programmed to think a certain way to be a certain way you've been programmed everybody has been programmed the work now is to deprogram ourselves For the first 20 years of everybody's life, you've been programmed to function in dependence. You listen to the teacher, you do what the teacher tells you. If you go into an exam and you write anything the teacher didn't write, you will fail that class. Yes. So many people are oriented towards pleasing the people around them. They are oriented towards pleasing their parents, pleasing their teacher, pleasing their employee, pleasing, pleasing, pleasing. Nothing wrong with that, but awareness that you are running on a program that you now need to disrupt. That's Mm. key because you cannot leave purpose when you are running this program, Mm. okay? When you are doing everything other people are telling you to do and you are doing just to make them happy, if they are the window, if they are the God to you, if you see your parents, your friends, your wife, your husband, your um, if you see them as God, then you are there to make them 100% happy. But for those who are of Christian faith, God is God. And your direction, the direction of our life needs to be from a source. If you think about what happened in 2020, COVID-19 and everything, it disrupted all of these things. Before then, too many people were shaping their life. They were making all kinds of gods in their life, including pastors, which everybody's their God. Mm. When 2020 happened, It's like come back home. 2020 was supposed to teach us a lesson because we were pulled away from the things that were controlling our lives. So the last two years, hopefully, if people used it wisely, is to recover their identity in God. Because that identity is important to now creating the future you want. So now you actually have the opportunity to see life more clearly without the noise right? The influence. There's so much influence that grips people's hearts and mind. You don't want to say this to this person. You don't want to say that to this person. What would this person say? Those things, what we call fear of man is what is ruling many people today. How do you save yourself and rescue yourself from that external influence, that external um, validation, and then go in? Because that is where the real direction, the real intuition, the real clarity comes from inside out. It's a lot of work to get there, but I'm just encouraging people to just slow down enough to listen to their ads. I'm not going to be able to say, oh, this is what you should do. No, but I'm saying that what will make you happy? What will bring you fulfillment? I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm going to say the source is inside you. That answer is within you. The vision is inside you. Your greatness is inside you. Mm-hmm. 
But here's the key. You know how fierce you are. But oftentimes you might be in a community that will not celebrate your fierceness. And that's why many people minimize themselves. So you find out that you may not be showing people the full force of you because you may not even be ready to handle the full force of you. You're right. Let me speak for the younger demographic now. How that you try to live in fullness and some points you are just you are just tired. Maybe you're tired of how life is responding to your dreams. Do you think there should be a time where you give up on your dreams just because of life happening to you? First, I don't want to say when Nigeria happens to you, but let's say generally, do you think there should be a time when you're like, okay, this is the time when you should let go of this particular dream and then maybe try something new or try something else? Maybe different from the future you're trying to create for yourself do you think anybody should ever give up or you should just keep trying and then one day buttons will click you know why this thing is very very difficult is because most people were not trained to be creative most people were trained to do what other people tell them to do that's the real battle the real battle starts in the mind first is that now whenever you decide you want to create in the world what you see in your mind the ideas god gave you inside of you that is very valid that is the seed of your future when you step out and you want to do it the key is that you are not equipped and trained to pull it off that's why it is difficult imagine if somebody says now fly this plane even if you have a vision in your head that you're supposed to be a pilot if you haven't been trained to function in that capacity, capacity. it's impossible to do. Okay. So there is the spiritual side of ideas, intelligence, the vision that God gives us. It's in the spiritual space where you capture it. So you are never supposed to give away what God has given you. It's the seed of your future. Your vision is the picture of the future. Okay. You're never supposed to let that go. The journey is acquiring the skills and support you need to create it. That's what is difficult. What is difficult is if you decide you want to create, you want to do A, B, C, D, you now need to pursue resources. You need to pursue skills. You need to pursue relationships that will help you create it. And that is what that is what is difficult. The idea itself, it's not the problem. The idea is never the problem. Is that your environment, your location, the people around you, the resources you can acquire can make that job more difficult than is necessary. That mm -hmm. is the reality. It's not that it is impossible because all things are possible to them that believe. Is that where you are and the people you've surrounded yourself with, if they've never done what you are trying to do, that's the pain. So for a person who is in for a penny and in for pounds how do they deal with rejections or fears i know what to do but i'm just so scared to go for my goals or i'm tired of rejections i'm tired to try again i'm already exhausted mentally and then emotionally how do you think they should handle issues like that how have you been able to deal with your fears first thing is take a pen and a paper and write down your fear what are you afraid of because that's different for everybody right if you will be honest with yourself what are you afraid of okay for some it could be maybe fear of livelihood okay. if they leave their job and they go they out survive? and they try and business how do they survive yeah. those are real right yes. for some it could be what will people say some could be if this thing doesn't work out what will people say where do you fall back on write all of those things down write it down because part of the stress is keeping those things eating in the locker of your heart and mind they are tormenting people once you start writing it down on paper you ease the pain once mm -hmm. you start seeing it on paper you now realize that you are actually greater than everything you just wrote on paper that's why i talk about strategies to remove barriers 
to your success. So first of all, acknowledge it, write it down, give it a name, look at it, and then speak to it like, okay, this is not really a big deal. You can now come up with strategies to meet. This is what we talk about mitigating risks. Businesses do this all the time, but you will move forward in spite of the risk. What happens is that most people don't move forward because of the risk and no pain, no gain. So part of risk management is acknowledge, identify the risk, and then come up with a plan. If that risk ever happens, how you will handle it. But fear is you've already imagined that it has happened to you. Meanwhile, these things you're afraid of, they've not even happened to you. <laughs> right? Just Everything you Yes, it's thoughts and they bind people. They stop people from taking action. The job of fear is to stop you from taking action. So the businesses would call it a risk. They will list out the risks. They will give it a number, risk one. This might happen. This rule. This might happen. This three. And then what do they do? If this happens, these are our options. Option one, two, three. That's what we call game plan. Okay, if our competitor does this, then we have games we'll play. Those who go to the field of games, like soccer game, boxing, any of these games, they know this is what they do. Do you still play the game? You don't conclude that you are going to lose the game. If you conclude you are going to lose the game, you've lost the game. Mm. What you do with game plan is the coach will say, this is what we are playing against. These are our skills. This is what we are bringing to the table. We will train ourselves to make sure we don't lose. But we will also train ourselves to understand the opposing team. We will master them so that they don't master us. We will know their players so that you know what you are playing against and then you come to the game with your full force. And when they start playing their games, you will be changing your game plan. So life is about moving forward in spite of the risks, but having a game plan if any of the risks shows up. But most of it never shows up. What we are saying is if you don't try, you would never know. So just go for it. But go for it. This is what we call calculated calculated risk taking. Mm. Don't, because there's another part where people will say, oh, fail fast, fail fast. I don't like that because it's like jump off the cliff. Mm. You will smash your face if you don't put on your parachute. My own thing is if you're going to jump anyway, minimize failure through skills, through exposure, through getting mentorship, through learning, through preparation. That's how you minimize risk. And when you do none of that, you will fall face down. Mm. So I'm saying don't be foolish too. That's really deep. Don't be foolish. Yeah. Have a plan. Always have a plan. Have a plan. Have a people. plan and move forward. Have a plan. Mm. Have a game plan. And that plan is, this is what I want for my future. And then because you have on to be journey, about it. Because yes. your future is your responsibility. Yes, it's like you're driving a car. Think about this. You're driving a car. Let's say you're going from Lagos to Kano. You are set on arriving in Kano, correct? Yes. If you get halfway and you see a detour, do you abandon that journey and go back to Lagos? No. You yes. navigate. Uh, yes. You navigate the obstacles because your heart is set on Kano. But if your heart is not set on Kano, you turn back. But if God told you when you arrive in Kano, there's a serious gift waiting for you in Kano, you will find your way to Kano. Mm. You don't even let anybody discourage you from getting to Kano. Because that's where you're heading. Yes. It doesn't mean that you know what you're going to encounter. It doesn't mean you may not take a wrong direction. Sometimes you can turn left. Ah, I miss road. You find your way back. Mm. Life is about finding your way back. It's not about not making mistakes. It's that when you do make mistakes, 
you find your way back. You reroute yourself because until you see welcome to Kano, until you enter Kano, you are not supposed to stop. That's really deep. The problem people are having is they are saying, do you want to go to Kano with me? Do you want to go to Kano with me? People are like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to Kano. I'm going to Sokoto. And you're like, ah, this journey is far. Most people don't want to go alone. So yeah. they are trying to gather a community and the community is like... Yeah, but community is like, I'm not interested in your Kano. In fact, most people will discourage you from Kano because God didn't give them a vision for Kano. That's why even Father Abraham, God said, leave everybody alone. And go to the land that I'll show you. Yes, but Abraham wants to drag Lot there. But God says, it's me and you. Many of the frustration people are feeling is they don't want to go alone. And life is a personal journey. True, 100%. Even your mom cannot go to Kano with you. Even in marriage, will your mom enter marriage with you? No. (laughs) She has to be in her husband's house. No matter how much she loves you, all that she does is to support you and help you prepare. The rest of it is up to you. So life is that way as well. The people who even love you the best, they can't live the life for you. They can help you prepare as best. They can teach you what they know, but sometimes what they know may not even be enough. No, that's very correct. So Kostoni is saying that you should not stop at any time. If you lost your way, find a way around it and just keep going. And then whatever happens, you are responsible for the future that you create for yourself. I also feel like having good friendship, meeting people, I feel like you cannot get there alone. To what point do you need people? How do you keep these people in your life? These days, finding mentors are so difficult. Everyone is actually busy trying to make life. Life is just really happening to all of us. So for people who do not really know what to do, where exactly can they? I understand that you cannot tell someone this is where to start from. But if you were to advise a person who is lost, what would you tell that person? Hmm. Uh, Before I answer that question, when you were trying to summarize what I shared, rest is also a strategy. Rest. Mm. Because on that journey, you may get tired. Yes. People may need rest, not realizing that that's why they are frustrated. So sleeping soundly. Take a nap. And leaving, leaving your worries. That's why journaling, putting it on paper, And sleeping really, really well is also part of the uh, strategy because when you are well-rested, you can see better, Mm. you can feel better, you can attack the challenges with strength. Yes, Yes, exactly. So part of confusion sometimes is lack of rest. So your second question, for me personally, person that I am from a very, very young age, I've been very, very independent. So what I'm sharing may not be for everybody, right? So when I was in high school, I was the head girl of my school. When I was in uh, undergrad, I was the PRO. So for me, what has always worked for me is what I shared at the beginning of taking direction from inside, not outside. And because of that, I do what I want to do. I don't do what other people think I need to do. And because of that, I don't hold anybody responsible for my future. I don't hold anybody responsible for this journey because the challenge you are going to see is that many times people unknowingly will say, the reason I'm not doing this is because I don't have mentorship and support. Mm. Many people are there now. They now use it as an excuse, as a crutch. Not realizing that even mentors will not run the race for you. They are just there to whisper. Guide you. They are not even there to guide you, sis. They are not there to guide you. They are not there. That's the mismanagement of relationship. People want to burden another person. And to your point, those people too are busy running their life, running their own race. Too many people are trying to burden other people with their life. And nobody wants that. I don't, you don't. It's like a pilot. A pilot is not responsible for serving you coffee and tea at the back of the plane. 
right? So a mentor really is supposed to help you to strengthen yourself so that you can run your race independently. Mm. And this is the cultural problem. We raise people to be dependent, but life requires you to be independent. Mm. We tell people a certain story that we are there for them. But the day you come out of university, you realize nobody is there for you. You're alone. You're alone. You're completely so, alone. No? You're alone. But that is the shock. See, you talked about, is it 18 or 17 to 24? That is the shock factor, is that nobody prepared young adults mm. for running their for race reality, yes. for reality we painted a false narrative one thing i shared one day i said mm. if you baby people you will get a baby mm. mm-hmm. if you continue spoon feeding people when they are 24 they will still open their mouth and say feed me keep mm-hmm. feeding yeah. me Mm. that's what's happening that's the mindset that is happening that when you step out of university at what age maybe 22 you look around you realize that everybody just graduated with they've left and moved on you are alone but guess what for the first 20 years you've been cuddled somebody was always there there's always your parents there's always support now first time ever you're by yourself that shouldn't be the first time we teach people independent living that's the problem many people crumble emotionally because of the loneliness right because of the weight of the responsibility of carrying themselves to success that's really really the gap culturally is that cultures that baby their people and cuddle their people. They raise weak, weak, weak youths. I was speaking at Lagos Business School. I was virtually speaking to some youths. And I said something like, oh, you know, they need to just go to Ghana, just see what Ghana is doing, secretariat, blah, blah, blah. And the teacher was like, oh, no, 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 these people are young. I'm like, what? What are you saying? I was like, this is the reason. You cut their wings and then you say, why are they not flying? That is the problem. It's like we think 18 is young, whereas 18 in another culture is already doing what they need to do. They are fully independent. Yes, that's really true. Because one of the things that our parents didn't teach us as kids is actually how to live life on our own. Before you know it, our parents are always ringing. So I like how the narrative is changing. People are beginning to have their own sense of independence and how they should actually do things on their own. So at what point do you think that these kids should start doing things on their own? For me, this is the greatest benefit I got from how I was raised. (laughs) For my secondary school, I was in boarding, boarding school for the six years. So right from... 11 till what age? I was five hours or so away from my family and I only come home during the holidays or maybe a short break. You know, so... So you've always been independent. From 11. You source things out on your own. In fact, the beginning of the semester, they will give you all your provisions, give you mm. pocket money. If you spend that money, you finish it. You're, yeah, you will be own. looking at your empty cupboard for the rest of the semester. There is no help. You can't <laughs> so call and say, mail me this or mail me that. Mm. I remember um, we have a family friend, uh, the Tejo shows. I remember when I was in secondary school, I think it was a birthday. After the semester, she said, didn't you see what I said? I think she sent me um, an envelope. I only got the envelope. She said she puts money inside. I said, ah, mm. money didn't arrive. I was like, money didn't arrive. Only charge. <laughs> ah, was this in Nigeria? Nigeria. Right, <laughs> she made me right. come and I was on those days. I was feeling like if you see that money, you'll be so happy. I said, ah, Kandi arrived. No right. money. Mm. Ah, that money could have <laughs> gone a long way. 
again, I'm just sharing my own thing. Listen, by the time I went to university, from secondary school to university, I was already like, leave me alone. I had my thing, my car, my... In a way, that really, really helped me to just live life. I even remember switching my name back then. That's a funny story. When I entered GSS1, I swapped my middle name. I made it my first name. And then the name my parents called me when I got to that school, I said, you know what, I want, call me, call me Toin. Toin was my middle name before, before secondary school. Just using this as a fun way to say, it's a powerful thing for you to be able to say, this is who I want to be. And so for me, when I got GSS 1, and they were like, what is your name? I said, call me Toin. So for me, from a very young age, I've, I've always just known what I want. Okay. How you were brought up influenced this? I believe so. I think how I was brought up, there's also, if you give yourself permission to speak your truth, Mm. if you give yourself permission to confront your reality and to assert yourself, this Mm. is the practice. This is what we actually have to practice. You have to give yourself permission to say what you mean and mean what you say and bear all the consequences because you are in a culture that doesn't want you to speak your truth. You are in a culture that doesn't really even care what's on your mind, true or false. That's very true. So everybody dominates, overwhelms you with their own thoughts, particularly, quote and unquote, people that are positioned as superiors, bosses, parents, elders, this, this, this. You are in a culture that says they know best and they have a freedom to overwhelm you and tell you what to do, who to be from your teacher, your university. Everybody dominates you, but here's the key. You are drowning under all of that. And that's the real fight. At what point will you speak? At what point would you speak? At what point would the world hear you? At what point would your own thoughts matter? At what point would you assert yourself? At what point would you become yourself? Because that is the real work. That's so deep, good thing. If there is anything I've learned, I've learned to make the world a better place than I met it. Make the world a better place before you leave than you met it. Live a life of uh, impact and, like you said, permit yourself to confront your reality. Accept your truth. It's okay to accept your truth. Even though where you are will not permit it, you should find a way around it, right? Mm-hmm. But see, in instances where you cannot accept your truth, you you know, there are some people who are restricted. You want to just live the life for your parents or whoever you grew up with. And it's just so hard. You feel like you cannot break out. What do you want to say to them? This is where wisdom to hold your peace but not deny yourself. I'm going to use a word. The world needs resiliency. For you to achieve success in the world, we need to be raising resilient kids, not kids that crumble under one objection. The real world out there does not care to make you happy. You realize that those who achieve success in business, they're the ones, quote and unquote, we say stubborn. You realize that the people that the teacher says sit down, they don't sit down, they stand up. The teacher says come, they go. You realize that that level of fucking the system, I'm not saying in a disruptive way, I'm saying in a creative way, in a way, you need to be a form of that. So yes, wisdom will say, if they say sit down, just do it to appeal, but don't internalize objection. So for me, if somebody says this, 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 I just move on to the next person. I say that's their problem. Don't make their problem your problem. Mm. If they cannot see your vision, if they cannot support your vision, don't then deny your vision because one person didn't say positive things about your vision. If your boss just shuts you down, do you now shut down? 
if somebody doesn't support you, do you not now not support yourself? Don't take somebody else's judgment and then apply it to yourself. Don't take somebody else's conclusion and agree. Don't agree spiritually with thoughts and opinions that do not serve you. Don't just take everything people are saying. When you give control, the control of your life, because you are living in a culture where, oh, if the pastor says don't go, you don't go. Yeah, it's like a remote control, guys. Don't Being give anybody. If they press a button, you crumble, right? If they say give you permission, yeah, increase your volume. Now you take permission to talk. They say don't talk, you don't talk. They say talk, you talk. Don't let anybody be controlling you with their thoughts, opinions. Does their thoughts, opinion, does it factor into you arriving in Kano? Mm. Arriving in Kano is between you and God. And anybody that is not helping you arrive where God wants you to arrive, they are not relevant. Don't make those who are not relevant, relevant. Because here is the key. You realize this is what usually happens. Most of the people that you permitted to stop you, even when you now confront them, they can't even remember what they said. Hmm. So people that cannot remember, you are still living your life. You are still remembering people who don't remember you. Listen, everybody's living their life, running their race. The people who can support you, they will support you. The people you can support, support. Other than that, the end. Don't sit down in a corner. Oh, look at what they said. I've said it. Don't tell big dreams to small minds. They will always discourage you. Make you feel like it's impossible. The problem is that you entrusted your future in the wrong hands. Like you did that to yourself. You trusted the people you shouldn't trust with your future. And here's the key. Whatever it is you want to achieve, if those people haven't achieved it and given it to themselves, how can they give it to you? People can only offer you advice, encouragement, through the lens of their own experience. So why are you going to someone that do not have the experience needed to fulfill your dreams? It's an unwise thing to do, to be carrying great ideas to people that cannot even see it, understand it, or perceive it. You get what you get if you do that. You did that to yourself. So part of wisdom is applying judgment in who you share your hopes, dreams, and aspirations with. Lack of wisdom is taking it to the streets and sharing it with anybody and opening your heart to anybody and giving your heart to anybody, right? If your heart is precious, if your future is precious to you, if your life is precious to you, you are supposed to guard it. You're supposed to preserve it. You're supposed to rescue it. Joseph in the Bible is a lesson. Yes. He yes. had a dream. Why I did he open his mouth? Mm. The problem is not that he shared it. You remember he shared it with his dad. That's his not brother. the problem. Mm. The problem is he shared it with people that are intimidated and they were so intimidated, they literally wanted to kill him. Not just kill the dreams spiritually, but kill him physically so that he will not even be here to fulfill it. It's one thing for people to just discourage. Discourage is a level of bad. This one is not just that they wanted to discourage, they were eliminating them completely. Yes, because killing the dream is one. not just that they want to kill the dream. They want to kill the dream carrier. Mm. Aha. You plus your dream needs to be protected. Wrapping up, particularly for women. Let me just dive into that a little bit. If you are a woman listening to me and you know your future is bright and you carry incredible dreams, don't go packing yourself into a garden that is toxic. If you are a rose or a flower, a beautiful substance, put yourself in a garden that will nurture water your life. Where you will flourish. Mm. Because dreams are killed in some marriages, 
in some relationships, futures are destroyed in the hearts that torments them. Because if people torment your heart, torment your mind, you cannot create that future that we're talking about. So part of wisdom, only hook mm. up with people who respect you and you respect them, mm. who honor you and you honor them. Because you are living in a culture that spreads this message that honor is only one direction. You honor your husband, your husband doesn't honor you. You honor your parents, your parents don't honor you. You honor your elders, elders don't honor. There's this one directional honor, but honor is mutual. Respect is mutual. Respect. If you keep depositing, if you keep honoring people and they dishonor you, it's not healthy. If you keep serving people and they don't serve you, it's not healthy. It's toxic. They say submit. If you keep submitting to people that do not submit to you, it's unhealthy, guys. Your words will not matter. Your future will not matter to such people. To them, yeah. Because they use their energy to soak up all your energy. They use your energy to advance and propel themselves. And then you are left behind. Thank you so much, Coach Tony. I'm speechless as always. Once again, thank you so much for coming to talk about creating the future you want for yourself. If you want more goodness, you can visit our website, www.tonyumesiri.com. Or if they just search for my name, <laughs> it will, it will lead them. Yeah, Amazon yeah. to the book. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, thank yes. you. Thank you. This has been fantastic. I enjoyed the conversation. For me, respect is mutual. That's what I believe. Honor and regard is something we offer one to ourselves. It's not something somebody odds up and says, only me. I'm the king. Everybody bows. All I'm just saying is, let's practice what God does. God doesn't override us. God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is sweet, is kind, is generous. He will never impose on us. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in. So anything that doesn't look that gentle, I run away. Mm. I'm saying the God that created me is gentle with me. Who are you? You to now come and interrupt my peace. Exactly. I'm not interested. Even yeah. I said the father who born me, he's kind and generous. My mm -hmm. late father was tender and gentle with me. Who are you? Mm. So the love I experienced with my dad, with my parents, with my mom, is very awesome, is very gentle, is very kind, is very generous. So I know what true loves look like. So when anything is out there, I'm like, sorry, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. Pack your note. Yes. Yes. So if we know God's love and we know parents' love, we can do life better, I think. Mm. Because we can recognize what doesn't look or sound like true honor, dignity and respect. We know it. Our soul knows when we've been injured. Mm. Our soul knows when we've been dishonored, disrespected, and we're living in a culture that does it every single day. And that is the cry. That is the cry of the heart. The reason children cry is they want to be seen, they want to be carried, they want to be loved, they want to be respected. And even as adults, it's still the same thing we are yearning for. Mm. So give it to the people around you, honor the people around you, respect the people around you, but also gift it to yourself. Honor yourself, respect yourself, respect mm. your own needs. When you respect yourself, you will demand it. And you, you, you would call out anybody that doesn't give to you what you believe belongs to you. It's a practice. It takes time. Mm, thank you so much, Ma. Definitely, I'd like to have you here again. This time I've spent with you. I'm not sure money can buy Coach Toyin. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Once again, if you need to talk to someone, remember that I am here. You can always reach me on Jethro for Gram. And Jethro is spelled J-E-T-H-R-O for Gram. And if you need to reach out 
to the codes please reach out to uh, our on the website thank you for allowing us to interrupt your thought patterns again